Welcome to the Heart for the World Church Sermon Podcast. It is our desire that you will be greatly encouraged as Pastor Dale Walker and others bring a fresh word from God directly to your heart. Be blessed. Awesome, you inspired me, Mike. Well, I can't wait to share with you, if you've seen your sermon note, this series doing called Do It Again, Lord, about revival. Thomas wanted me to mention, if somebody would like to ride together in the van for the Saturday night in El Paso event, you can meet him here at 4.30. We're, we're very excited in connection with this, where we have recalling the great works of God and are believing, God, do it again. Revival is the awakening of dead hearts and restoring of lives through a move of the Holy Spirit. And, and so today I want to talk about it from a little different angle that many times when you think of revival, you think of it from the outside, a big meeting and loud music or whatever. But really revival is something that starts on the inside. It, it is a, a work that's inside of people's hearts that no one sees that creates an incredible thing that changes the world. This verse, uh, Ezekiel 36, 26, kind of describes uh, I think a beautiful way of what revival is. Can we read that uh, verse? The Lord says, and this is what I'm coming. I will give you a new heart. Somebody say a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I like to call it an extreme makeover. Anybody here ever have your house remodeled? I, we, uh, a couple of years ago, after 20 years, and, and as we approached 20 grandchildren, they didn't fit in our house anymore. Anyhow, so we did a, a remodeling, and we thought it was just pretty cool. We liked Chip and Joanne, and this, you know, we had a fixer-upper. This is awesome. There's a few things we learned about remodeling house. It takes a lot longer than you thought. Cost a lot more than you imagined. And it's messier than you ever thought it would be. How many know that's a little bit about what it's like when our heart has to be renewed? revived. But the result is incredible. And, and so it's interesting to me also that the Bible often refers to our lives as a house. Remember that verse in, in Revelation 3.20, Jesus says, I stand at the door of your house. I knock. And, and house is important because it represents the personal space. How I many know there's some people, they're okay meeting God at church. They just don't want Jesus to go home with them. You know what I'm saying? And especially, don't start looking in that closet. Don't start getting into my checkbook. You know what I'm saying? But to really know God is about inviting him into our personal space and realizing, man, would you agree with me? There's some places that need some extreme makeovers in your heart. Man, there's relationships. There's attitudes. Wow. There is ways that I've been thinking there is emotional damage. And Jesus says, would you just invite me in? I want to come. And I want to make things new. Um, so I was thinking about that whole idea of a, re, a remodel and how it compares with revival. Number one, it's similar because of why we want it. We, we want it for our families. We want it for, for someone that we could bless. You know, I was with uh, Molly and my daughter had a baby, our 20th grandchild, as I mentioned. And I was so blessed because Adam, my son-in-law, came and he says, 
He says, Dale, you know, this is my first son, AJ. He says, he says I, I'm, not, I'm not sure that I'm ready. I need God to do a work in me if I'm going to be a dad, the kind of dad I need to be. How many know when, when, when you're going to influence children, you need God to do something in your heart? You need God to do something in the spirit for that. Most importantly, though, it's about creating a place for the king of kings. We want to change because Jesus deserves the highest place in our hearts, doesn't he? In our 21 days of prayer, uh, one of the ladies, Denise, I thought it was so beautiful. She said, boy, after last week's message, I was talking about having a house that's clean so God can use it. And she said she really felt, said, you know how when we're going to have a special guest, we go and we just clean? And she felt like the Lord was saying, you have a very special guest about to show up, the Holy Spirit. You better go home and get your house clean. I mean, it's time to clean, it's time to clean the window shades. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's time to come because the King of Kings wants to visit you. Are you ready? It's also important because as our hearts are right, we can fulfill our highest purpose. In this verse, 2 Timothy 2.21, let me read it again. I think it's, it's so important. You know, having our hearts changed is not so God will accept us, but it's so God can use us. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter, you know, if you get rid of the junk, if you have this major garage sale... <laughs> And you get rid of that old grudge you've held on for 20 years. How many know it's time to let it go? You clean some stuff out. You will be instruments for special purposes, made holy and useful to the master and prepared for any good work that he has. Uh, remodeling is so that you can receive new gifts. You know, I, I read about people in the Bible who got revival. And they received things incredible that they didn't have before. I think of a man named Isaiah. And he was just a regular, kind of a unclean, he called himself a man of unclean lips. I don't know if he had a profanity issue. I'm not sure what. But he came and he says, God, I want to be changed. And God took a, a coal from heaven and burned his lips. And he began to speak like a prophet. How many could use just your, your whole language your whole vocabulary just boom transformed by god <laughs> i think of jonah who who ended up in a fish you know a whale but he said god and he said god i don't want to lose my purpose how many know it's never too late if you're not dead you're not done <laughs> and because he got revived god sent him to nineveh and he won a city for god i think of the prodigal son Man, he was just a wreck. He was in the pits. He was an addict. And just one look to God. God, he said, it says he came to his senses. That's a word for revival. He woke up. What am I doing with my life? This is stupid. And, he, and, and God says, come home. And instantly he was restored to his family. And he got his inheritance. Revival is about something that's lost being found in your life again. I remember going back to my teenage years and, and, and what happened between me and my dad. 
My dad and I were estranged when I was a teenager because I was, a, I was a, a situation. I was called an EGR kid. You know what that means? Extra grace required. <laughs> Anybody have one of those kids? I mean, I had my other brothers and sisters. They were pretty cool. And, 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 and me, my dad said, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, you know. And so he was often harsh with me. And I rebelled, and I was, I was just going to run away from home as soon as I could. And to this day, in that revival, I'll never forget, it's what started it for me. I was in the garage, and my dad comes in. He literally kneels down, and he's weeping. And he says, son, and my dad, you know, I always thought of this really proud man. He's strong, successful. And he was weeping. And he says, Dale, I need to ask you to forgive me. I have treated you so badly. And son, I am so sorry. And I want to be a dad that you could be proud of. I mean, it just melted my heart. And, you know, from that day to this, we're best friends. You know, Malachi 4, 6 says, God will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the children to their fathers. I told someone, you know, you might just be one apology and one move of God away from a total reconciliation in your marriage or in a relationship with somebody. That's what revival is. It's letting God... Go deep inside of you so things can be made right on the outside. The Bible word for this whole remaking of our hearts is the word repentance. And it's a word that means very simply to turn around. To realize I'm going in the wrong direction. I've offended a holy God. I want him to make my life right again. And, and God says this is the secret uh, Acts 3.19, I love this verse. It, it tells us what repentance does. It says, uh, is Revelation 3.20, oh, excuse me. The, Acts chapter 3, verse 19 is what I'm looking for. Acts 3.19. But it says that if we repent and turn to God, that time, he will wipe out our sins and times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. There it is. How many need some refreshing? <laughs> See, that's revival. It's like, whoa, just wash me. Breathe in me. And he says it comes from the gift of repentance. Now, here's what I need to say. For repentance to bring revival, first, we need to see it as a positive gift in our hearts. You know, unfortunately, many people have a bad idea of what repentance is. They think of some guy on the street, you know, you know, saying, you dirty sinners, you're a bunch of losers, repent, you know. And it's like, God hates you and I do too. Hallelujah. You know, it's a, it's a negative word. In fact, in religious terms, many times the word repentance has focused on this word penance, which has nothing to do with the word repentance. But it's the idea of what are you gonna, how are you going to pay for the bad things you've done? How are you going to fix your life and, and you better get your act together. And, and many people see that and they just feel overwhelmed by that. But that's not what the word repentance is. Repentance is not about guilt. It's about grace. It is not about God condemning you. It's about God saying, I want to accept you just as you are so I can change you and heal you. Uh, so, someone said this, so I loved it. This guy said, what can I do? I've lived my whole life in sin. How could I ever pay God back for all the bad things I've done? And the preacher said, 
What can you do? Nothing. In fact, he said, it's too late. And the guy says, no, don't tell me it's too late. He says, no, you can do nothing because Jesus already did it. Jesus paid it all. All your sins are already forgiven. All you can do is receive salvation. See, that's what repentance is. It's something that you receive. I call it this way. It's, it's declaring bankruptcy and getting a mansion five times as good as the house that you had to get rid of. <laughs> it's you just declaring, God, I'm a mess. And God's saying, congratulations. Now we finally both agree on something. <laughs> so now I'm going to pour out all my love into your life. I'm going to bless you. Like the prodigal, the father just, just hugged him and poured out his love. You know, the best news I can tell you today is that revival isn't for perfect people. It's for sinners. It's for messed up people. It's for fixer-uppers like me and like you. That's who it's for. And so repentance is this gift. I call it it's the surgery that brings the recovery. It's the antibody for your spiritual disease. It's the thing that removes the contamination. It is, it is a switch from a highway of destruction to destiny. It is the power that ev evicts the thief from your life. The intruder, the strongholds, the addictions. It's the, it's the door that you open to God so he can come in and let you become what he always saw you could be. It's the most amazing thing. It changes your bloodline. The Bible says when you repent, it doesn't just change you. It changes your kids to a thousand generations. It changes your history. It, it changes the whole trajectory of your life. Secondly, what is repentance and how does it bring revival? Repentance, I like to call it, is getting out of your own way so you no longer are just trying to live your life with yourself as the, as the king, but, but Jesus is living the life he wants through you. How many would agree that most of our Biggest problems, if, 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 let me just say it this way. If I could tell you my biggest problem in life, it's myself. Can just one person agree? I'm, I'm my biggest problem. <laughs> Pogo said, we have met the enemy. He is us. Yeah, we found it. John Maxwell said, if I could kick the guy in the pants most responsible for my trouble, I couldn't walk for a week. We are the ones who sabotage our life. And, and we do it all the time. Most people, they even, psychologists even tell us that many people, when they just start to get successful, they unconsciously do something stupid because in their minds they can't let themselves really have permission to be great. They have this sabotaging spirit. But what I am so thankful for is repentance is the way that we can move out of the way and let God live. You see, Repentance is not just repenting of our sins. It's being freed from ourself. It's turning from ourself as the source of our life to Christ. It's this beautiful thing that Galatians 2.20, my favorite verse in the Bible, says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ the greatest revelation I ever had was, I don't have to fix myself. <laughs> I tried that. 
But God can replace myself with himself. He can, he can start to live. I, my old me, I can just say, no, more me. Jesus, let me decrease. Can I tell you something interesting about being a, being a Christian? You know, some people say the more you grow in Christ, the less you have to repent. Man, when you first got saved, you get, you know, you had all this stuff. Man, I got drunk. I got to repent of all this. But now I don't have to repent. So, no. Can I tell you how I, kn I know you're growing in Christ? You repent more every day of your life. <laughs> you keep seeing more areas you thought <laughs> you were pretty good at. <laughs> how many need Jesus more today than you ever have? And you just realize, Lord, if I lean on my own security, I'm going to start feeling insecure because I know how rotten I am. But if I lean on your righteousness, Lord, if I lean on my own ability, I'm going to start worrying because I don't know how I'm going to fix things tomorrow. But if I am just turning to you, you're the strength of my life. It's so good to have a Savior not just for our past, but for our present, for our life as it unfolds every day. Repentance is how we grow to our full potential because it's how we learn to take personal responsibility for our life. I believe that the key thing in healing and recovery is whether you're willing to get rid of the blame and the excuses, whether you're really willing to own Wow, I am the problem. <laughs> Help me, God. You can, you can see real repentance is David, you know, David saying, God, against thee have I sinned. It's me, God. It, no, and, and it's so easy to be more like Adam, you know, when God says, Adam, why did you eat the fruit? He says, Lord, it's this woman you gave me. <laughs> and Eve said, what, me? No, it's the snake, you know, and poor snake didn't have anybody to blame you know but I have learned that to the degree you take that personal responsibility you grow when I did marriage counseling I could tell after the first session the likelihood of success how much responsibility was each person taking were they saying yeah I need to change wow yeah I, I'm, I'm the or were they saying no it's her no it's him you know it, it's always about owning it Sometimes real repentance means even if it's only 10% my fault, I'll own 100% of my 10%. You know what I mean? One of the most powerful things happened in my young Christian life. I got in a fight and an argument with this guy. His name was Mike. And I remember I was going to never talk to that guy until he apologized, until he saw that he was a jerk. <laughs> and he got his life together. And I remember my mom just saying, you know, if you live that way, You'll win some arguments, but you'll lose friends all your life. What if you just owned it? What if you just said, wow, man? And I remember going to Mike, and I just took 100% for my part of it. I was harsh. Man, I held a grudge against you. Did you know what? We became best friends. So many people are so quick to find an excuse, and they find an exit ramp from growth and health with their excuse. I read about a guy who got in his third car accident in a day and he says, he gets out and he says, you're the third guy I hit today. What's wrong with the drivers in this town? You know, <laughs> somebody say, look in the mirror, man, look in the mirror. Have you ever wanted to tell somebody, please, man, 
please, just once. But if you'll own it, God will change you in incredible ways. But repentance is more than that. It, it's something that brings a culture of revival to others. What, what's so interesting, when one person is willing to humble themselves, it changes the atmosphere. And others begin to repent. In studying revivals, you know what I found out? If you were to go to a place where a radical revival is happening, you know what? the first thing you would notice, it wouldn't be the praise, it wouldn't be the preaching. You would find these people humbly confessing their faults. Like James 5.14 says, confess your faults one to another so that you can be healed. You would find people just tearing down their walls and just asking humbly. Because once you do that, what happens? It's just like my dad apologizing to me. The first thing I did is apologize to him and then it spreads to someone else. It just begins to spread. In fact, one person visited this revival in Africa. He said, it was just shocking. Everywhere I went, people were just confessing their faults. He said, I'm listening to the, the preacher and the preacher has this interpreter and he's interpreting the message and he messes up one part of, of the preacher's sermon. He misinterprets it. And somebody in the audience sort of corrects him. About five minutes later, the interpreter says, Pastor, please stop. Could you stop just a minute? He says, he says brothers and sisters, I have been convicted by the Holy Spirit. I resented this brother correcting me. God showed me I have a spirit of pride and I cannot interpret in good faith with sin in my heart. Would you forgive me, brother, for my hardness of heart? The brother in front apologized. Before you know it, the whole room is apologizing to each other. The service goes for the rest of the day and dozens of people get saved. See, that's revival. One of the most important things you need to know about revival is it's an awareness that our relationship with God is not just us and God. It's not just vertical, it's horizontal. We are in this together. The way I respond to God affects how you respond. If I come in here today and I worship my heart out, did you know I lifted all of you in worship? If I come in here and I'm a bump on the log, well, I help quench your spirit, amen. How, if, if I'm here, have you seen this in a home, you know? You see two parents arguing and they think, well, we just have a, we just have, we just having a, an argument. But what they don't see is they're changing and creating a culture for their children. As they speak harshly to each other, the whole environment's becoming toxic. And you have these little kids over here, and they're like cornered, and they're just like, they're just being melted by the toxicity of the environment. Because when you're wrong with God, you create wrong in others. I know this doesn't make you feel good. But it might make you holy, so I'm going to say it anyhow. But real repentance is not just the roof comes down. The walls need to come down. And we need to say, what I'm doing is affecting people. I am creating a culture either of revival or of resentment or of hopelessness and despair. Talking about this Jesus movement, I was doing the history, and, and this is the best I could find one of the very places that this revival, this Jesus Movement revival started, here was the story. There was a pastor named Johnny Joyner at Loma Terrace Baptist Church in El Paso, Texas. 
he goes outside and there's these hippies sitting on his grass. And again, I won't go into the hippie thing, but the whole point was, is kind of think of it like homeless or something like that. And this pastor goes over there and he says, hey, you guys, this is the Lord's grass. Get off. And they leave. And he goes into the church and the Holy Spirit just, anybody ever get that conviction? You know what I'm talking about? And he, he hears the Lord say, hey, wait a second. You're right that this is my grass, but those are also my kids. And I want you to go find them, whatever you have to do, and invite them back to sit on my grass, and you beg for their forgiveness. And so he goes, and he looks up every hippie he can find. <laughs> says, would you please come sit on the Lord's grass? One by one, they come back. He starts serving them. One by one, they get saved. And one by one, this thing starts. And it moves around our whole city. Somebody, there's always brokenness before there's blessedness. Can I tell you, if you ever see a blessing upon a family, someone broke. Someone humbled themselves. There's never been someone closer to God who wasn't broken in spirit and heart. When they broke, God came. That's how it works. It breaks our pride. Hypocrisy loses its power. You see, the number one thing that stops God from moving is our pride. You remember the Pharisee and the publican sinner? They're both praying. The Pharisee said, God, I thank you. Man, I tithe. I go to church. I'm just, you are so lucky to have me. And God is saying, oh, please. <laughs> and there is this publican, and he's like, doesn't even look up, and he says, God, just have mercy on me. And Jesus points it out to everyone. He says, see that, that man? He went home justified. It doesn't take greatness. It just takes humility to experience God. How, how, do, we, how do we turn that into revival? Here's a few thoughts about how we see God bring revival through repentance. Number one, we make repentance a lifestyle and not just an occasional event. This is huge. Repentance is not like, okay, every once in a while, i got to have a repentance. No, no. Repentance is a relationship that's so intimate with Jesus that we instantly know. It's like the Holy Spirit's like a dove, right? And, and we know there's things in our life that makes the Holy Spirit want to land on us. And then there are things that make him grieve. That's why David would say, don't take your Holy Spirit. Because he could feel it. He could sense when the Holy Spirit, that revival was there. And it's that willingness at the moment, you know, one mentor told me, he said, the Bible says our cup runs over. You know, when you're walking in fellowship with Jesus, your cup is running over. There's joy. Isn't that true? When you're just walking with Jesus, you're just feeling it. I love you, Lord. And you know, you're singing the goodness of God and your kids are saying, quit singing so loud, whatever it is. And then all of a sudden you feel, oh, the cup's not overflowing. What happened? It's called sin. <laughs> Anything that stops the cup overflowing. It could be just an attitude of complaint, hardness of heart. It could be 
choosing in your mind to be too materialistic or selfish. But it suddenly changes the atmosphere of your heart from flowing to being dammed up and quenched. I love one of my mentors, John Wimber. He said this about revival. He said, here's what you've got to know if you want to grow in God. The way in is also the way on. And I love that. Colossians says, as you've received Christ, that's how you grow in Christ. You say, how do I get to the next place in my spiritual journey? The very same way you got to the first place. You remember when God knocked you off your feet and showed you, and you said, oh my God, have mercy on me, God. And suddenly you experience grace. Go back there. Wherever you are today, that could have been 60 years ago, but go back there, and that's where your next step forward is. I need you today, God. Please come. John calls it walking in the light. If we could read this verse in 1 John 1, 5 to 10. This is what I call continuous revival or revival as a lifestyle. We have that 1 John 1, uh, 5 through 10, if you want to look that up. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. Isn't that a powerful thought? There's nothing hidden in God. When God is around, everything is real, man. It's all on the table. There's no darkness. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in we have secrets, we are pretending to be something, we're just liars. We don't live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship. You could use the word revival there. We have revival with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we are just deceiving ourselves. The truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, you know what the word confess means? It just means to say with, agree with. Yes, I agree, God. You're saying that's wrong. Okay, I agree. He is faithful and just and will forgive us all our sin and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us, and that's not a good thing to do. What is he saying? Just come before God every day, moment by moment. We call it a passion for holiness. Again, holiness, some people think of religious clothes or something. No, no. Holiness is a passion to be sure nothing comes between us and God on a, on a moment-by-moment basis. Did you know 41 times in the Bible, God says the same thing, be holy, for I am holy. 41 times. What does that mean? Be consciously aware of anything that could interrupt your fellowship. Don't let even the slightest seed of resentment or some other impure thing begin to lodge in your heart. Be passionate to stay before the Lord moment by moment in real time as a clean vessel, as a vessel His, completely His. Why is this so important? Because what we are in the future really is formed not by something big, but by little choices that we are making right now. 
Nobody ever chooses to just blow up their life. No one just wakes up one day and say, I just want to be divorced. I just want to, I just want to go and give up my life. I'm not going to believe in God anymore. Nobody just one day just decides to tank it all. It starts with a little thought. It starts with an attitude, a selfishness. We, we have. Nobody just goes out and has an affair one day. But they look upon someone in a lustful way. And then, and then they, just kind of, they just kind of let that be there. They excuse it. They justify it. Ah, oh, just entertainment. No, it's a seed. And the Bible says when that seed grows, it produces a habit. It produces a stronghold. And someday it produces death. So the Bible says, deal with your heart at the deepest level, at your thought level. Walk before the Lord and say, God, I just had a rude thought towards that person. In Jesus' name, I take it to the cross. One brother, I thought it was so beautiful. This is revival. His name was Norman. And he said, there was this guy at church that he didn't like. Now, he wouldn't even admit he didn't like it because, of course, the Christians liked everybody, right? No. So he's like, Always seeing this guy and showing him fake agape. You know, fake, oh, God bless you, brother. And really, in his heart, it was like, this guy is a pain in the neck. You know what I'm saying? Well, you guys sure look holy. You don't know what I'm saying, do you? Okay. This, I'm preaching this one to just the sinner up here. But anyhow, he finally, God says, you are faking it. It's called hypocrite. You're faking it. And, and, and so what does he do? He literally goes to this guy and he says, friend, the Holy Spirit convicted me. I, I haven't liked you. And the reason is the first time I met you, I judged you. I believe something about you. My friend, that was a sin on my part. Would you forgive me? And God just took that out. They became best friends after that. See, most of us just, we just excuse that. Well, I don't like those people. Now, how many know the greatest commandment is love? Don't, don't say you're a Christian if you don't even want the number one commandment in your life. And so he just said, I'm going to be 100% authentic about this with God. And when he was, revival was there. See, learn the language of ownership. This is huge because some of us don't know how to own it. We don't really know how to apologize. We'll say something like, sorry. No, don't just say sorry. I was wrong. Could we all practice this together? I was wrong. Please forgive me, right? It's just, it's just, it's just honest. It's just that thing before God that says, for real, God, I own that. And God says, the moment you do, the blood of Jesus cleanses you. You're forgiven. You're free. Let God take that repentance and let it go deep. The Bible says, let him take the ax to the root of the tree. What does that mean? That means not just what you did, but why you did it. What is the deep, you know, Charles Spurgeon, this great evangelist, he would talk about these fake repenters. They repented because they didn't want to feel bad about something, but they didn't really intend to quit doing something. It was just a mask. It was just an external thing. 
yeah, I'm sorry that I said that. No, no, why did I say that? God, there's a selfish root in my heart. Would you go to the deeps of that? I repent, Lord. I want to be healed. I want to be changed. I just don't want to look like a Christian. I want to be a Christian. I want to go down. You know, Spurgeon said, real repentance is to have a holy hatred for sin. <laughs> repentance is leaving the sins we loved before and show that in, we in earnest grieve by doing so no more. It means, God, would you give me a revulsion for being a proud, selfish person? It means, God, I want you to take and put to death. The Bible says, mortify the old self. You know what that means? Put it to death. How many know that's radical? I heard a guy, pastor, share a, a dream that he had. He said, this dream, he's walking on this path, and he sees a snake, and the snake crawls apart, across the street, and he hears God tell him, kill the snake. And he says, oh, God, it's not hurting anybody. It's just a, it's just a snake. And so he ignores it, but God says, kill the snake. Well, then he goes in his backyard, and he sees the snake there again, and God says, kill the snake. And he says, no, God, that's violent. And then God says, if you don't kill that snake, the snake will kill your children. And then he goes, and he gets the shovel, and he cuts off its head. And all of a sudden, God shows him. He wakes up, and he realizes he has all these snakes in his mind oh it's just a little lust it's just a little porn oh it's just you know it's just a little resentment that i'm holding on to oh yeah it's just it's just materialism and and god was saying kill the snake no no if you don't kill the snake we'll kill your children god wants us to say lord i want to be free at the deepest level of my heart Lastly, repentance is not only a mission of wrong, but it's surrender of full ownership. I went back to this idea of the house. Some of us will say, okay, Jesus, you can come to the house. In fact, Jesus, I'm going to let you fix my sink. I'm going to let you clean my yard. Whoa. But did you know Jesus wants more than that? One more dream. This guy dreams that he invites Jesus to his house. He says, Jesus, come on in. Jesus sits on the sofa, and Jesus sort of sits there, and he says, oh, Jesus, so good to have you in my house. Don't you like my house? My house is awesome, Jesus. Jesus just kind of sits there. Now, Jesus, here's the list I have. Man, I need some more electrical wire. I need new plumbing. Boy, I could use a paint. Jesus just sits there. There's a knock at the door, and he goes, and it's Satan. It's got this big mud pie and just smashes him in the face. And Jesus just sits there. He says, Jesus, didn't you see what the devil just did to me? He just sits there. He gets so exasperated. He says, Jesus, this is terrible. I invited you into my house. I let you sit on my sofa. I did everything, and you haven't done anything. You're not even talking to me. You didn't help me with the devil. Why won't you do anything in my house? And Jesus just finally opens his mouth and says, because it's your house. And so he goes and he gets the title deed and he signs it over to Jesus. 
Right then the devil knocks on the door and Jesus says, I'll get this. <laughs> it takes care of the devil. I wonder if there's someone here today. Yeah, you've been spiritual. You talk about God. But does he really own your house? Is he really the Lord and the master of your life? I'm going to invite the worship team to come, and I want us just to pray. Would you stand with me? We're just going to wait in the presence of the Lord. I believe today, this is a hard message, but it's an amazing opportunity for an extreme makeover in our hearts. I'm telling you, someone here is a one apology away from a healed marriage. Someone else is one turn of, towards God to be free from addiction. Someone here is about to turn around and come into a relationship with God that's going to heal you. It's going to give you your purpose in life. Someone else is going to suddenly be able to forgive someone you've never forgiven before. Your family's going to start getting closer. This is a day of revival. God doesn't need some big fireworks display. He just needs a humble heart. He just needs someone who's sincere and says, God, I'm ready to change. Take this stony heart. You see it inside of me. Come, Lord, and just take it and turn it into a heart of flesh. Lord, come and restore my heart. Heal me, Lord, and restore me. And I'm just going to invite you to begin to sing that song. And I would just ask you, would you do this with me? I'm going to do it. Say, Holy Spirit, search me and see where do you want to restore my life? Where is something that you would just shine your light on right now that I need to own and I need to be changed? Forgive me, Lord. I humble myself. Lord, I own that. I own that in my life. God, I'm going to take the axe to the root of the tree. I'm tired of living a compromised life, a half and half Christian life. No, God, I'm here today to give you all of my heart. God, you see, I've let snakes into my marriage, into my relationship with my kids, toxic environments. Forgive me for this, Lord. I repent today, and I ask that you would give me a new heart and a new attitude. Change me, Lord, from my selfishness, my materialism, self-centeredness of any kind. Cleanse me from impurity and immorality. Lord, I'm coming clean today. I'm getting my house ready so that Jesus can visit me, so he can restore me. If you've never really given your life to God, if you've only half-hearted, today is your day. The Bible says if you'll believe in your heart that Jesus died for you, if you'll confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. If you'll say, God, I turn to you. The Bible says you'll be saved. You'll be forgiven. God will do something incredible in your heart. I wonder with every head bowed and eye closed, is there someone here who would say, Pastor, today is the day. I want to come back to God. I want to give my life to God. I want to just say a prayer with you. But I wonder how many would just raise your hand and say, pray with me. I'm coming today to pray for God to heal me. Would you raise your hand right now and say, yes, that's me. That's me. Thank you. Thank you. Could we just pray this together? Lord Jesus, I turn to you. I believe you are the son of God, that you died on the cross and you rose again from the dead. And I give my life to you. Forgive my sins. Wash me and restore me. Thank you, Jesus. I receive your peace.
I receive your forgiveness in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for touching these lives. Thank you, Lord, for them. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And we're just going to close with this course. But some of you, I'd like to invite you, just as an act of repentance, if the Lord's stirring you, would you just come down to the front and worship? Just come and say, I'm coming because God showed me something I needed to get rid of. And today, I'm going to just come down and to the altar and I'm going to just by doing so surrender completely this thing up to God just come right now just humble yourself sometimes we have to do acts of humility that bring us to a place of full surrender so I invite you just come and humble yourself let's sing this together But I know here in the middle is a place where you promised to be. I'm not enough lest you come. Will you meet me here again? All I want is all you are. Will you meet me here again? See that again. I'm not enough. I'm not enough unless you come. Will you meet me here again? It's all I want. It's all I want. So you are, will you meet me here again? Not for a minute was I forsaken. The Lord is in this place. The Lord is in this place. Come, Holy Spirit, drop on to place the Lord is in this place not for a minute was I forsaken the Lord is in this place the Lord is in this place come Holy Spirit drop on to again the Lord is in this place the prayer teams to come and stand around these and they'll be here after this service but as we put our hand on our heart today we just say God this heart is yours change it change and heal me and deliver me 
I want to give myself to you, God, completely and forever. In Jesus' name. We're going to be up here ministering. Our prayer teams will be here. We'll pray for healing, whatever you need. But the Lord bless you as you go this week. Walk in His favor. Walk in His light. Bring His healing wherever you go. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Heart for the World Church Sermon Podcast. We hope that God's Word has inspired you today in a way that will boost your faith greatly. We want to encourage you to visit our website at hftw.church and follow us on our social media. May God bless you richly.